0: No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code program.
1: Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com.
2: Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio.
1: Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Very happy to have you. Coming up on this week's episode, we'll get a review of Royal Princess from Eric. He did a Royal Princess Northern Europe sailing, so uh, looking forward to hearing Eric's review. A couple things here before we get to Cruise News. First off, Cruise Radio Insider Facebook group. If you're not a member, look it up and join us. A lot of great cruise conversation happening there. I'll also link to it in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Also, I'd like to invite you to check out our Cruise Radio news segment on every single one of our news articles right there at cruiseradio.net. Basically, what I'm doing here is putting a soundbite of the news story on top of the article, kind of like NPR does, so you can uh, listen to the article if you don't want to read it. So uh, if you're lazy or don't want to read or just don't have the time to read or if you're driving, it's a good uh, good resource there. So with that said, Teresa Norton-Massing is on the line from TravelPulse.com. It's been a cl- uh, really slow cruise, news week, Teresa, but Costa Cruises orders these two massive ships, and uh, so massive, the passenger count exceeds Royal Caribbean, but the ships aren't that big. Uh, Talk to us about this.
3: Yeah, that's right, Doug. It's pretty um, interesting what they're going to do here. These two new Costa ships will accommodate a maximum of 6,600 passengers, which uh, parent company Carnival Corp is the world's largest passenger capacity on a cruise ship at this time. However, the ships are only 180,000 gross-registered tons. And compare that to Royal Caribbean's Oasis-class ships. They're a lot bigger in size, and the gross-registered tonnage is a measure of size, not weight. So the Oasis-class ships are 225,000 tons, and they accommodate 6,400 passengers. So they're bigger ships with fewer passengers. Carnival's going to have smaller ships with more passengers, but they say they can do this through a new design that's going to make more efficient use of the ship's facilities. Very curious to see how that's going to work. Yeah,
1: when I think of that, the first thing that comes to my mind is like those partitions they use at conferences, like roll-away walls, you know?
3: Well, exactly, because it says (laughs) they're going to use, they call it multifunctional common areas. Mm -hmm. So some of these public rooms that you can use for more than one function at a time, maybe.
1: It's a nightclub until 3 a.m. in a nursery from 7 a.m. until the evening. I don't know. It's going to be Something interesting. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Moving on here. This is an interesting story because NCL uh, just keeps dropping partnerships left and right, this time with celebrity chef Jeffrey Zakarian. What's the latest on this?
3: Yeah, you know, Norwegian, um, it was just a couple of weeks ago or so when Norwegian announced that they were discontinuing their partnership with Nickelodeon, you know, which brought Spongebob and uh, Dora, the Explorer, mm-hmm. I think, onto <laughs> 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 the cruise ships. It was a family-friendly programming. Anyway, that is coming to an end. And now Jeffrey Zakarian, who developed two of the specialty restaurants on the Norwegian Breakaway and Getaway, they're saying farewell to him, and they didn't really announce it. It was just sort of referred to as an aside in their loyalty program magazine, so, yeah, no more Jeffrey Zakarian. You know, they are going to keep these Ocean Blue restaurants, um, which are going to a per-item pricing, an a la carte system, as we talked about last time. Yeah. So um, it'll be kind of interesting. I guess they'll still have the restaurants and whatever. They just won't be under the guise of Jeffrey Zakarian, who is a frequent guest on Food Network, and he's one of the Iron Chefs on that network too. So he was kind of a big name for the foodies.
1: Yeah, it's sparking a lot of conversation uh, on the Cruise Radio Insider Facebook group as well because didn't they drop Blue End Group recently as well?
3: Yeah, they did, but they replaced it with another show. So that may have been just um, people who come back more than once maybe want to see something different.
1: You know, what? I think these franchise fees are just way too much. It seems like once they went public, everything is kind of dropping off and they're doing their own thing. But that's just my speculation.
3: Well, it, it is speculation, but it's accurate. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that Norwegian went public, and they have also have a new CEO, Frank Del Rio, and things are changing. You know, we've talked in the past about... You know, the new seven dollars and ninety five cent room service delivery charge. They just increased their recommended gratuities to thirteen fifty per person per day starting on August first. You know, yeah. they've gone to the a la carte system in some of the specialty restaurants instead of the cover charge, the flat fee. So they are making things different. There's some interesting, other interesting things, too. They're making the specialty dining packages more flexible. So you don't have to buy it and eat in a different specialty restaurant every night. You can just choose to go out three or four nights during a week-long cruise, for example. So, yeah, a lot, lot is changing at Norwegian
1: Norwegian Cruise Line getting rid of chefs, and Princess Cruises is uh, picking them up.
3: That's right. Princess has a new celebrity chef. You know, the celebrity chefs do bring more attention to cruise ships, so it's not a surprise when they do this. With Princess, it happens to be Curtis Stone, who's one of those Aussie chefs, so he's mm. got a cute accent to boot. He's going to design a specialty restaurant that will debut – aboard Emerald Princess in December and that ships in the Caribbean, as well as Ruby Princess, which is in Los Angeles, which sails to Hawaii and Mexico. He's also gonna have certain menu items in the main dining room. So you get to sample his food even if you don't go to the specialty restaurant.
1: Did you hear from public relations by chance that they said the the menu items will be free in the main dining room, but did you get a price for that specialty venue?
3: No, I didn't, and I can only assume that there will be a a cover charge for it. I don't know that for a fact at this time, and they may not have even decided. Yeah, Um, Because Princess has some good free restaurants. Their Italian restaurant is pretty good, the Pizzeria, which does not have a cover charge. Um, I would suspect there will be, but we'll have to wait and see.
1: Carnival Corporation reaches a settlement around the American Disabilities Act. I didn't even realize this was going on because I thought all cruise ships were ADA compliant. What's the details on this?
3: Yeah, I'm a little confused by that, too. But if my memory serves me correct, years ago, there were people who filed complaints. I don't remember it being Carnival Corp. I remember it being against some cruise lines. And I'm not sure if this is a result of that. But, yes, Carnival Corporation reached a settlement with the Justice Department and the ADA. They're basically going to retool 62 ships, including a number that are under construction, to make sure they comply with all the ADA regulations. There'll be more accessible cabins, and people will have the ability to book specific cabins in advance. Just make it easier for everybody to get around and enjoy a cruise vacation. Do they get fined for this? Yeah, they have to pay almost four hundred thousand. Wow. They had to pay a civil penalty of fifty five thousand and three hundred and fifty thousand in damages.
1: Mm, interesting. In closing, here, Kathy Lee Gifford. You know, she loves toting that new wine around. She debuted her uh, partnership with Gift Wines down on Carnival Breeze in January, and very good wines too, and rated very high too, I must say. But she just recently debuted another wine in New York City earlier this week.
3: Yes, she did, and this time it's a Pinot Noir Rosé a nice blush wine, which happens to be my wine of choice. I haven't sampled Kathy Lee's wines yet. I would like to, but it sort of makes sense because she has that reputation from apparently drinking during her morning show with Hoda.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They they gave us a a bottle of white and a bottle of red uh, back in January when I was on Carnival Breeze for the announcement, and my roommate won't open the red. He's like, I don't know if he's just letting it sit to get older or what, but I'm like, dude, let's drink this. So it's like taunting me. Good So did You there.
3: met Kathy Lee back then, right?
1: Yeah, and it was so cool because she is very humble. I didn't think she would be because how big she is in her little Today Show episodes. But she is really humble and really nice. And here's another thing is that she probably had 20 interviews that day, and we were like the first ones. And an hour later, we saw her and her handler walking around, and she came up to me and shook my hand and said, Hey, Doug, it was so nice meeting you. Thanks for the interview. I thought that was
3: really cool. She remembered your name? Yeah. So. Wow, that is impressive. Totally agree.
1: With that said, we've been talking with Teresa Norton-Masic, Cruise Editor at TravelPulse.com. Teresa, thanks for being on the show, my dear, and I hope to see you soon.
3: Well, thanks, Doug. Time to go have a glass of wine. That does not surprise me.
2: Have a question for the experts? Or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net.
0: parkwest makes us excited to spend money on art
2: to find out more about parkwest gallery visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the parkwest gallery icon we know you can't go on every single cruise so we do it for you find over 200 ship reviews and money-saving tips at cruiseradio.net or search Cruise Radio on iheartradio
1: we always like to get your cruise reviews. If you have one you'd like to share, just email comments at cruiseradio.net. Eric Poole is from California, and he just returned from a 12-night British Isles cruise aboard Royal Princess. Love that ship. And he joins us today. Hello, Eric. Hey, Dad. So before we get to the actual ship itself, Eric, because I love Royal Princess, and we can talk all day long about this ship, uh, let's talk about actually getting to Southampton because it was a 12-night British Isles cruise. And you're in California, so what kind of logistics was it getting from California over to London and then over down, and then down to Southampton?
2: Well, we took a nonstop from L.A. to London um, and got there a day or, or a couple days early, actually, because we have friends in London, so we wanted to see them. And then we took a car, a private car, out to Southampton. You can take, you know, the cruise obviously offers transfers, but there were four of us. It was uh, my partner and I and, and my in-laws. And when you have that many people, it's just as cheap to take a private car. And so it's, you know, just a better way to go.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. How long of a flight was that from L.A. to London? It's like 11 and a half, 12 hours. (laughs) Wow, I would have been going crazy. I couldn't handle that much. (laughs) Uh, As far as, did you price out the amount? Like how much was the price going from London to Southampton on the cruise line transfer?
2: I want to say it was $59, and it was about 200 bucks, I think, for a private
1: car. Oh, that's not bad at all. Very yeah. nice. And uh, any pre-cruise hotels you'd recommend staying, uh, staying in Southampton? We didn't actually stay in Southampton. We
2: stayed in London and then just uh, took the car over that morning of the cruise. Okay. So we, we were just at Hilton in London.
1: Very good. So you get down to Southampton to board Royal Princess. So uh, how was embarkation? I've never actually embarked out of Southampton. So talk to us about that.
2: Well, I was kind of surprised because, you know, being the, they don't do this cruise a lot. You know, I think they do like maybe half a dozen of them in the summer, in like June and July. So I kind of thought, oh, it's going to be a little bit of a cluster, you know what? Because they're just not—it's not a routine port for them like Miami or Fort Lauderdale or something would be. But they were super smooth. It was like I think 25 minutes, maybe, from the time we walked in the door until we were on the ship.
1: Nice. And you get on the ship, and what were your first impressions of Royal Princess?
2: It, it's a beautiful ship. I was really, really happy because uh, this is the newest. Uh, and actually, the biggest ship we've been on to date, I think it's like 140,000 mm-hmm. tons. But it's just really shiny and new-looking, and, and it's very modern. Uh, we've been on other Princess ships that are a little more... Dayton State, you know, a, a few years older. And this one is really contemporary. And the Piazza is just beautiful. It's a three deck, you know, most ships have these, these atrium things now. But this one is really well done. It's just very sophisticated looking, great bars and, and a fantastic casino. It's uh, We were really kind of wowed.
1: Nice. So you make your way through the Piazza and through the public areas and go to the stateroom. So what kind of stateroom did you have and what were your impressions of it?
2: Well, we tend to be mini-sweet people, not for any snob reason, more more just for the room, mm-hmm. uh, just for the extra room. But uh, this cruise was kind of pricey because there's not apparently a lot of competition you know, in this British Isles market. It's not like the Caribbean or something where there's a million ships, so they can charge a lot more. So we actually started out booking an inside room, and then uh, fortunately the price went down as it got closer, and we upgraded to a deluxe balcony obstructed. It was on the very front of the ship. We we tend to prefer like the very front or the very back of the ship because for two reasons, number one, you get great views. And you know, a lot of times you have like 180, you know, or 270 degree view, but even more than that, there's like no foot traffic, you know, yeah. it's super quiet because like in this room that we had on the front, there were literally only uh, one uh, couple in the room next to us that, uh, that passed by our room ever. So it was, like, super <laughs> quiet. It was great. And, I, you know, I would totally recommend these obstructed rooms. you have to kind of go online and look and see if you can find photos of the actual room that you're booking. But, like ours, the only obstruction was that the, you know, the wall of the balcony was metal instead of glass. Oh, so there was no cool. other obstruction. And the balcony was, like, three times the size of a regular balcony.
1: Nice. How cheap? Uh, how much cheaper was the obstructed room compared to a regular one?
2: I want to say, like a couple hundred bucks it wasn't it wasn't you know that much cheaper but the, the great thing was the balcony was like triple the size of yeah, a regular yeah. balcony and the balconies on this ship i i'm sure you've heard or you've experienced i think you've been on this ship mm-hmm. they're, they're smaller than average so yeah. you know the regular balconies are kind of tiny
1: nice nice very good let's move uh actually let's talk about the as far as like the bathroom area and the plugs and was there enough space for your clothes give us the details about the inside of your stateroom
2: yeah, they have um, their closet is open. It, you know, there's no doors to it, but there's plenty of of room, lots of hangers, which was nice. That always drives me crazy when there's not enough hangers, um, and uh, and and cubbyhole shelves and stuff. Uh, so it's it's very well laid out. I mean, it felt you know it's a little hard for us because we're used to a bigger room, so we were worried about just a regular sized balcony room. But it was uh, it was perfectly you know well laid out, and it's super. You know, because they're new, they have like 42 inch flat screen televisions mm-hmm. with tons of, incidentally, tons of complimentary movies and stuff, which is really nice.
1: One um, thing I really like about the, these princess ships is the walk in closet.
2: Yeah, you don't yeah. find those but, on a lot of cruise ships. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna have to worry about you know cramming your stuff in there. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, the bathroom is you know it's really nice that it's new and it has contemporary fixtures and all that. They're small, you know. I mean, it's the you know, and of course it has the dreaded. uh curtain instead of you know uh, yeah. we were we had a, a suite on a norwegian ship that had glass doors on the shower which was really nice
1: but yeah in a shower that small sometimes that curtain will stick to you too when you're trying to yeah. get out like Ugh, yeah. gross yeah definitely let's switch gears here and talk about the food on royal princess there's so much in uh, so many food options so let's start at the top i'm drawing a blank what is that uh buffet area called up there
2: you know, I don't remember the name <laughs> of it offhand, but it, I have to tell you, it is by far the best buffet we've ever had on a ship. Um, not just necessarily in the quality quality of the food, which it was it was very good food, but it, the way it was laid out, because it had all these different you know serving stations and areas, and it was actually segmented off into two areas: the Horizon oh Horizon Court That's and Horizon it. Bistro. That's yes. the name of the of the buffet, and so um, you've got these two totally separate areas with all these different stations. And then they did this cool thing where they put these like frosted glass panels up between the serving areas and where you're actually sitting and eating. So it feels really cozy and not like you're it's not like a cafeteria. You know, mm. it's, it just feels more like a restaurant dining experience, which is really
1: nice. I, I like the dessert area in there as well because oh. isn't it like a little tunnel between the two sides? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there is. That's really And that cool. pastry shop will kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, it will. And the bread pudding there is to die for. Yeah, so it how is. about the main dining room? How was your experience in there?
2: It was really good. You know, I, our, we're kind of also fans of Celebrity because I think Celebrity does the best food of all the sort of mass market cruise lines. Mm-hmm. But um, it was very competent, very good. I wouldn't say there was anything that we were like wowed by in there. Um, the room was really nice. It's one of those where they've kind of divided it up into lots of small areas so it feels very cozy, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're only dining with, you know, six or eight other tables. But at the same time, it sort of doesn't have the wow factor that some, like we've been on some celebrity ships where you walk in and it's that two deck just kind of Bam, you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally with, with huge chandeliers and all that sort of thing, so it doesn't have that factor, but it does feel very cozy and it doesn 't feel crowded, which is nice
1: yeah, they do a good job with that because I think that princess holds like around thirty five hundred people or something yeah. like that, and yeah you you don't feel like you're on top of each other at all in the main dining room. Did you do any specialty dining venues on there
2: we did We just did crown grill okay. um we did we've done Sabatini's on on uh, the coral princess, and it's a it's a great experience like about 100 pounds of food per person (laughs) but the crown grow was absolutely fantastic i have to say that was by far the best meal we had on the ship because the the steaks were were perfect the main lobster tails were huge it was and the best thing to me is it's only 25 bucks
1: which
2: you know for specialty dining these days where a lot of them are 40 or 50 dollars, i thought it was a fantastic deal
1: did you get a steak in there
2: yeah oh god yeah ribeye
1: oh yeah they have that cow that's like a 23 inch cowboy cut Oh, and God. It was like so
2: <laughs> – At that point, you just need a, a, a cot to lie on Yeah, right exactly.
1: <laughs> but it was so good. I found myself like gnawing on the bone almost uh, after oh I was done God, eating it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I had that and Maine lobster tail, <laughs> yes. so it was, little, it was uh, pretty awesome.
1: little surf and turf action there. How about
2: – Oh, that? one thing I wanted to say about that too. Our server – I wanted to tip. I, I, I always have this thing about tipping in the specialty restaurants because mm-hmm. they – do such a great job and stuff and our server basically heard me talking to my partner about it and, he, and he leaned over and he goes you don't need to tip us we don't get that money and i thought that that was really interesting because <laughs> you know i would presume that the servers are getting that money when you tip on on a specialty restaurant meal and whether that's a princess thing or all the lines i don't know but huh. you know i'm good to know
1: interesting how about any dining uh any of the venues that you take advantage of off of the piazza there because i know there's like the international cafe and a couple of other ones
2: yeah, um, I, I love me a specialty coffee, and mm-hmm. we had the the unlimited beverage package, so I went down a few times and got, you know, cappuccinos and, and mochas and stuff there, um, I, and I got a breakfast sandwich there one day. That's a nice little place to pick up something. It's not a place I particularly want to sit just because there's only like, what, five or six tables
1: there, yeah.
2: so, and it tends to be kind of a place where there's a lot of traffic right past there, you yeah. know. So to me, it's a better place to just pick something up and go. We also did Alfredo's a couple of times, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um it's the, it's the no fee Italian place. I thought their salads in there were better than the main dining room.
1: Yeah, that, that's the one that has the, you could get like a, a pizza, pizza in there too, right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. And, and yeah. They're, they're, their pizza by the pool is really good too.
2: You know, I heard that. I I never actually had it by the pool, mostly because, you know, on this particular cruise, it was cool Mm -hmm. outside most of the time. It was like 50s and 60s. So there wasn't the sort of pool activity that you would normally have on a cruise.
1: When it's cool weather like that, are they still doing like the movies under the stars and events outside?
2: Yep, they, they did every night. God bless them. I mean, they, you know, they put out the, the movies into the stars. You know, covers on the on the chairs with the pillows and everything, and and you would see a couple of hearty people out there with blankets on them and stuff. But you know, it was like fifty five degrees or whatever. It just wasn't really uh, conducive, I guess, to you know, sure. to watching a movie.
1: Well, let's talk about the entertainment aboard Royal Princess and uh, what there was to do, and what were your thoughts of it.
2: We didn't. Actually, do any of the production shows on this one? Mm-hmm. Mostly because we were in port a lot. Out of the twelve nights on this, we were in port ten days, and so there was a lot of early morning, you know, get, getting up to go on a shore excursion kind of thing. So, um, and we we eat dinner late, so we we tended to miss a lot of the production shows. We did do some of the headliner shows, like there was a Beatles tribute band mm-hmm. that was really good, and that was packed, of course you know, consider the demo. Sure,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was a really funny singer whose name I forget, like a middle-aged woman who kind of bawdy and she was great. There was a hilarious Scottish comic in the uh, Vista lounge. He was really, he was, I really admired him because he was, he did kind of a fair amount of dirty material, but he did it in a really oblique way so <laughs> that if there were teens or something there, they wouldn't be offended or anything and, or they wouldn't get it, I should say. Right. Um, and, um, There was this violinist named Chris Watkins, and my partner wanted to go to it, and I was like, a violinist, really? Just shoot me in the head now. (laughs) But it was actually really great. He's really a great showman. You know, there was a lot of stagecraft to the show and stuff, and and so it was actually super entertaining.
1: Nice. Did you uh, notice any bands around the ship or piano bars or anything that really caught your eye?
2: We did do Krooners, the martini bar, Mm because the cabaret guy in there who plays and sings was really good, and he told great stories and stuff. And we went to the Wheelhouse Bar, which is real clubby. You know, that's on all the yeah. cruise ships. Um, and, of course, it was right next door to uh, the Crown Grill. So, you know, when you are going to dinner there, it's a great place to have a drink yeah. beforehand. We also liked Vines a lot, the wine bar. And then um, especially our favorite was Bellini's. You know, since we have the unlimited beverage package, we drank, oh, probably a lot more than we <laughs> normally drink. That's the bad thing about those packages. It kind of just encourages you to go overboard. But um, Bellini's. has a great location on sort of the end of the piazza on Deck 6. And you know, overlooking everything, and and, uh, and the bartenders there were just fantastic, and my father-in-law is like a chatty Cathy. He talks up everybody on the ship and becomes friends with everybody, and so we got to know the bartenders at Bellini's really well, and they were just super <laughs> nice guys and really fun to talk to, and so we spent a lot of time there.
1: Nice, very cool. So let's talk about sea days. I know you, you you mentioned you didn't have that many days at sea because you had 10 ports on this 12-night itinerary, but one thing that really defines a cruise ship is how it behaves during the sea days as far as traffic flow and all that both inside and outside of the ship so how was how were sea days for you
2: well they were um like i said we only had two mm-hmm. out of 12 days on this one and actually we were off the ship for one of them so we only had one day at sea to really experience that and of course it being cool and stuff people didn't you know there wasn't the sort of pool activity that you normally have on sea days so the you know the pool, unfortunately, was mostly just something pretty you walked by for, <laughs> for the most part. This cruise might be better in July in that regard just because it probably warms up more. But we left on June 2nd, and so it was you know, it was still kind of cool for them. Um, but they have a great gym. It's sort of shotgun, kind of long and narrow, but mm-hmm. lots of great equipment, and it was never crowded. Another thing about this cruise, we, we like to do international cruises because they tend to be longer and they tend to have less kids on them, mm-hmm. you know, so... There was probably 50 kids out of... They told us there was just over 3,000 people on the ship. Wow. And probably since there weren't many kids, that's why the, the count was lower than it might normally be.
1: You uh, you mentioned you were off the ship for one of the sea days, but there were two sea days. What? Uh, go into detail about that.
2: Well, we, we got off in Glasgow, Scotland, because uh, this whole cruise started because my father-in-law is a big golfer, and he'd always wanted to play the old course at St. Andrews. So we got off in Glasgow and rented a car, and spent two days going through Scotland, driving through and hitting castles and stuff, and then he played the old course at St. Andrews. And it was, it was actually a, kind of a great thing to do. I mean, I'm not normally a fan of getting off a cruise ship because and, and, you're paying for it, yeah. but this, this was really important to him. And, and it was, you know, seeing his face after he got to play, it was like worth the whole cost of the trip to begin with. Nice. But um, it was a really fun thing to do. And we, you know, we went to Glamis Castle and Sterling Castle and hit a whiskey distillery um, and just got to drive through and see all the scenery, you know. So that was, it was kind of a great way to spend two days.
1: So you got off the ship and did you meet the ship at another port? Is that how that works?
2: Yeah, we got off in Glasgow and then met it at the next port, which was Inverness.
1: Cool, and they, they just allow you to do that if you want to.
2: Yeah, you do have to um, let them know ahead of time because they have to, like, call Princess and they have to fill out a form over the phone with you, mm-hmm. um, and then that has to be submitted. And then we double-checked again, you know, when we got on board and stuff just to make sure that they were aware, and because it can obviously be a huge deal if they don't know if yeah. you get off. <laughs> did you... Uh, uh, we so did, did you- have, I, I should say, we did have... Kind of a hiccup when we got back on the ship because apparently what they do is they they turn your cards off your sh- you know your shipboard card mm-hmm. when you get off and then they have to t- turn them back on essentially when you get back on and it was almost like they didn't know we were coming back or something because we had to stand there for like half an hour while they got somebody from security to come and oh boy you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah so it was a little wow. bit of a, a pain in the ass there but you know otherwise it was it was great
1: did you get to hit the Lotus Spa at all
2: I didn't on this one I did on the last. Princess ship, but not this one, and it actually looked really beautiful, but we were just so busy on this particular cruise that we didn't have a lot of time to.
1: And also Royal Princess, and I—I I could be wrong on this, so correct me if I am. But they also have the retreat pool, and it's like an adults-only yeah, which area. Is really
2: great yeah. on the back of the ship there, and it was literally right above us because we were on the sixteenth deck, uh, you know, on the front of the ship. So it was directly above us, and of course, being cool and all, there was like never anybody there. Right. Um, and it's it's beautiful because they have the day beds and you know everything. It's a really Beautiful setting.
1: Yeah, for sure. The sanctuary is really nice too. On that. The sanctuary. Yeah. This is the <clears throat> the sanctuary.
2: Oh, the sanctuary. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. We huh. didn't uh, we didn't get in there either, unfortunately.
1: Let's talk about the ports you hit on this 12 night sailing. What ports did you hit? And uh, since you hit so many of them, just give me your favorite one out of all those as well.
2: Wow. Okay. A favorite would have been. Well, there, there's kind of two favorites. Edinburgh, just because it's got great old buildings and architecture and edinburgh castle way out which is at the highest point in the city is phenomenal and 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 the city's also super like sophisticated and cool you know it's where they have the edinburgh arts festival and all that it's just uh, that was the one place where we're like we're coming back here for like a land vacation nice. um and then the other one was normandy france where you know you go to the the battlefields of oh, you know cool. omaha beach and all that stuff like you saw in saving private ryan it, it's super super moving and even if you're not a particularly patriotic person, that'll do it to you because it, you really are so moved by the courage and the you know, everything that these guys did during okay. you know, and it's so weird. You're standing looking at Omaha Beach, which is this really deep, beautiful beach and the it's very the water's really blue green. It's so pretty. And you stand there looking at this going, you know, it's hard to imagine what was happening here seventy years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Can you rattle off the other eight ports off the top of your head? Yeah.
2: There was Guernsey, which was sort of a who cares you know it's just like a cute little fishing village there's not much there cork and we did blarney castle there there was dublin we did a bus tour there liverpool we did a hop on hop off liverpool actually turned out to be really fun because there was the mersey river festival while we were there and so that just made it even cooler right next to the ship as we got off the ship was this whole river festival so that was you know made it extra fun there and then belfast where we did the giant's causeway tour which is super cool it's a UNESCO world heritage site And, uh, what's the other one I'm forgetting? Oh, Glasgow, which we didn't really see because we got off the ship and rented a car and went on our way to St. Andrews.
1: Would you say this cruise, this 12-night Baltic cruise, would be geared towards adults or families or could multi-generational travelers enjoy it? What are your thoughts on that?
2: I, I think it's, I mean, I think it's great for everybody because to have been exposed to this stuff when I was a kid, which I wasn't, I mean, that would have been so awesome. But, like I said, there were, maybe because it was so early in June... There were very few kids on the ship. Maybe the later cruises would have more kids. But um, there was definitely a lot of, say, people in their 30s and 40s with their parents or whatever. But there wasn't a lot of kids, kids to grandparents kind of groups.
1: Nice. Very nice. Well, in closing here, Eric, let's talk about some first-time tips you may have for people who may be or who are going to be sailing Royal Princess.
2: One would be just know that the balconies are a little bit small. So, you know, kind of be prepared for that. The the nice thing is that, you know, some of the earlier princess ships, their wedding cakes, you know, where, like, Mm -hmm. the floor above you can look down into yours. Right. These are not like that, which is great, but they are a little bit small. So, you know, you might want to try to look for one of those rooms like we had that has a bigger balcony. Hmm. Okay. Oh, and then also, um, since the weather can be cool, you may not use your balcony a lot and also just kind of know that you're not going to probably necessarily get a, a lot of poolside time and tanning and all that kind of crap.
1: Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, you mentioned you had the beverage package. Do you remember what you paid per day for that?
2: I think with tax, it's 56. It's it's one of those things where it's like, it's great to not have to worry about what, what you're spending day to day or drink to drink, but we're not, we don't drink like that. We don't mm. drink, you know, six drinks a day. So probably was a little lost on us in that sense, although I, you know, I did get a lot of specialty coffees and you can get like bottled water, which we would always get and take with us on our shore excursions. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you can get gelato and a gelateria, which, you know, is a charge thing normally. So all that stuff's included as well. So, you know, you can kind of make up the cost of it.
1: Yeah. I got gotcha. you.
2: And, you know, the one thing I have to say, something we've done in the past, which I, of course, shouldn't cop to, is we've smuggled on maybe a little bit of, <laughs> of booze or something and then just had drinks in our room. And it was so nice having this package to be out on the ship and be social with meeting other people all the time instead of getting drinks in our room. So yeah. that, that, that part of it really added to the cruise a, in a very cool way.
1: It beats a champagne party for two, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, one other thing I want to tell you, too. Yeah. The Shore excursions that we did the only one we booked through Princess was the was the battlefields one in Normandy. We did the rest of them all on our own, where we booked with other tour companies because mm-hmm. i don 't know what the deal was, but this one seemed they seemed absurdly high, like triple what we could book them for ourselves, mm-hmm. so definitely if you can you know, book them yourself. The nice thing is. Like, when you, you know, when you walk off the ship, normally the buses for, like, a Princess Shore excursion are lined up right there. And so you usually have to walk out of the port, which means maybe walking around a fence or whatever, and then you'll see the buses for all the other tour companies there. So it's really easy to do. And, you know, all those companies now have guarantees about, like, we'll get you back to the ship on time and yeah. So I would totally recommend
1: that. All right, good advice there. We've been talking with Eric from California. He just returned from a 12-night Baltic cruise on Princess Cruises, Royal Princess. Eric, thanks so much for being on the show, my friend.
2: Thanks, Doug. I totally loved it. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.
0: Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with privacy mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board. Because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course. Present my thoughts the way I want. Right again. Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh. There it is. Drawing board or Miro. Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's one. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro Brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com.